Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ad Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Shellerud, and today I'm super excited to have Dom from Sproutbright, a longtime client, join the podcast. Um, Dom, it's awesome to have you on, man. Joe, thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, so, Dom, uh, we've been working together for a while, and I love your story. I love how you got into the Amazon space. I was loving what you're doing before. Um, and so I've been super excited to have you on in the podcast. Um, you know, as an Amazon seller myself, I got started, like I've got a ton of respect for everybody who's grinding out day in and day out on the Amazon and e-commerce platforms as a whole. And so was super excited to have you on the podcast. Like maybe, I guess just to get started, like give us a quick intro. Who is Dom? Like, you know, give us the story on kind of what you were doing before, how you got into the e-commerce space, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so uh, I'm Dom from Sproutbrite. Um, I've been I've been doing this entrepreneur thing uh, my whole life. Um, I was the I was the kid that had the snow shoveling routes. I was the I was the lemonade stand kid. I was selling review sheets in high school. So the entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship's kind of, I guess, always been in my blood. Um, as I got into my 20s, music was also something that I was doing as well um, all throughout my teenage years. So I kind of had this like split between creativity and entrepreneurship. And I chose to pursue music at that time because it just, it looked funner. It was uh, something that I'd always loved doing. And so I spent... It was a 10-year journey. Uh, I was making electronic music way before electronic music was even cool, sure. uh, all, all the way back to like 1999, 2000. Um, people were, the first sequences were just coming out. And so like, I kind of had like a head start um, compared to like a lot of producers. And I'd started making like trance music. And over the course of 10 years, this genre of trance music started to like come up. Um, it was it was starting to gain steam in like Europe in like the 90s, but like the 2000s was when like it really kind of started breaking in. Like the club scene in America started to develop, and there was a, a festival scene that was building over those years. And so I was making trance music for a lot of years. I had a partner that uh, we actually met on one of the first uh, message boards that existed on the internet. <laughs> um, we were, we were sending messages back and forth and turns out that he had lived really close to me. So we met, I'd had a music studio that I built in the Bronx and then we started working together and we worked together for eight years in 2008. We had a billboard number one hit record. Um, and it was UK top 40 and I, it charted in a bunch of other countries in Europe as well. So we did a whole three year tour around the world. Um, so for people who want to find your stuff, what, the, what, what should they search for? Yeah. So our, our group was called Philo and Perry and our number one hit was called, uh, the Anthem. Um, it was, it was kind of what made, what made it a hit really was the fact that nobody had taken, uh, electronic music and combined it with rock music. Sure. So, so I'd always loved rock music and we combined dance music and a lot and rock music together. And it was kind of the first track of its kind and it kind of really pushed the barriers and kind of launched us into like a level of stardom that even we weren't expecting um when the record had you know like when we had finished the record like we knew it was going to be big but we just didn't know 
how big it was going to be. And, you know, ultimately, I think like most people that are young and chasing like attention, the music industry is definitely an interesting business. Um, what I learned was that like ultimately there was just too much access in the industry. There was, I mean, the, the drugs, the sex, drugs and rock and roll in electronic music was like times five. Sure. <laughs> so, um, and the drug part of it too was like really like probably times 10. Yeah. And so, you know, like I was exposed to it and I ultimately learned that you think that there are things that you, that are, that are, are going to make you happy or like things that are really cool to be a part of. And then I think most people never get that chance to get there, but then there are people that get there and realize, actually, this was probably not what I thought it was. Sure. And it took me a long time to like realize that, like I, you know, I crashed and burned in my music career. Like I, I kind of stopped doing it. We, the music business is a very feast or famine business. So even number, even one number one hit record is not enough to like really make, you know, like millions of dollars. And so like we, we played hard and we spent hard and, you know, after the three years, I just kind of like found myself in this place where like, I felt like my life wasn't going anywhere. And I really wasn't like, I wasn't bringing the value that I thought that I could bring sure. as a person. So, so I walked away from it and I had to really start over. I had, uh, I want to say close to like 60 or 70,000 in debt that I had to pay off. And, you know, I paid it off over time. I was working full time. And in 2015, I was part of the whole, the amazing seller crew, Scott yeah. Volker. Um, <laughs> That's where I got my start too, honestly. Yeah, it was like, yeah. He was kind of the it guy of the moment. And I saw one of his blog posts and it was like how I made $40,000 of revenue on Amazon in one month. So of course, naturally that's a, a hook to bring people in. Yeah. And so I, you know, I started like looking into the space and, you know, I, I joined the groups and I didn't take any courses, but I watched a couple of YouTube videos. And I think the thing that I saw right away that like a lot of people didn't see was that like, if everybody's following the same strategy, like how long can it really last? If everybody's going Alibaba and trying to source the same products, like if everybody does it, then, you know, like where's the, you know, like the unique selling proposition as like a quote unquote business owner. Mm -hmm. Right. Or like a brand. So I never went down the road of trying to like source an individual project, a uh, product from Alibaba. I just went and found like six factories and I kitted together these like all in one garden starter kits. And I had everything in them. I had the shovels, the dirt, I had the seeds, the, the markers, the pots. And so like I put it all in a happy meal size box and, and I started trying to sell it on Amazon, but like, I didn't really know a whole lot. And I, you know, like for the first couple of years of trying, like I was working full time. I didn't really have the time to dedicate, you know, like as many hours as I had wanted to. Sure. And things like really never took off with it. I, I was actually ready to walk away from Amazon in 2018 because I had spent a couple of years like trying and I realized like how cash intensive the business was. And so like, mm -hmm. that was kind of like one of the things that like I did get a little bit duped by was like all the kind of people that were saying like you could start an Amazon business with $500 or a thousand dollars. And, you know, and I started it with a little bit more, but, um, 
ultimately, like, I had, like, run out of money by 2018. Um, I'd even sent, I had done my biggest order yet with China. And the sourcing agent that I was working with, she, she kind of duped me. I was, I was working with two sourcing agents. And there was one that I was working with that I'd been working with from day one. And, like, I did my biggest order with her. And I sent her the 20000 And she disappeared with the money. So like, that was like a huge setback. And that was kind of like the place where I'm like, all right, this, I'm like, just in way over my head. This is probably, probably not going to work out. Like the skill sets, I started to realize you want to start a business. Like you need to really know like your strengths, kind of all the things that everybody says, like all the cliche things, like you really need to know your strengths and weaknesses. Like what resources do you have available to you? Like who's part of your network that can help you. And I really had like very like almost none of those things. You know, I I, I had very limited business skill sets. Um, I was getting better with them. I knew nothing about sourcing, and so I was like kind of ready to give up. And what where I pivoted was in this garden starter kit that I had. I was creating these like product inserts, and they were all about like personal development and growth mindset. And that was the thing really that I cared about most inside of that box. And it's because I cared about it most because when I left the music industry, I had such limited experience. I had almost no experience working real jobs, um, no experience in business. Um, when I flew around the world, I, I spent most of my time like watching TV shows instead of like reading. And then I, when I started like realizing and like I, I, fa- I found Tim Ferriss and I, and I read his books and and then all of a sudden, like Tool of Titans, that was a big one for me. And I'm like, all of these successful people, I was doing the opposite of all of them. And so I kind of like shifted. I made a huge mindset shift. And over time, I just, I, I started reading. I started listening to podcasts. And little by little, I, I developed this, I adopted this idea that a growth mindset is something that if you consistently practice and work at it, you're going to get better at it. Sure. And so, and you can, and I learned that, you know, I just never realized that like people always think about it in the context of sports, but you really can apply it to anything. Like business is one of those things. So I took, so I had this product insert and I took that product insert and I was, I had a friend that was also in the FBA space, same thing, kind of started out of a storage locker, just like I did. Um, and he built his business up to 20 plus million in revenue, his own warehouse. And he said to me, he's like, Dominic, he goes, the people that are buying your garden kits, like they're not going to care about this product insert. And I was like, man, I was like, why wouldn't they care about it? I'm like, this is the stuff that's most important. Yeah. And, and he's like, Dominic, he's like, I'm telling you, he's like, people are not going to care about this stuff. So uh, my ego was bruised. And that's kind of like, I went really where I reached the point where I was like, all right, I'm like, th- this is clearly like I've, I've overstepped my bounds. And, and then I was like, maybe there are people out there besides other entrepreneurs that care about this stuff. So I, I went on Amazon and I just started looking around and, you know, I saw some white space in the stationary um, category, like all types. Like at that time, there was like white space in a lot of parts of that category. And posters was like one of those uh, spaces where there was just a handful of people competing 
um, the big American brands that make like classroom decor that have been doing it for like 50 years, like none of them were even on Amazon. Sure. And, and so I was like, maybe I could take these, I could take this product insert and I could turn it into a poster and maybe teachers are going to care about it. So I put the first pack of posters on, um, on Amazon in August and I sold out a thousand of them in like, I don't know, 20 days. And so I was like, wow, it's like, it took me six months to sell a thousand garden starter kits. And I'm like, here, I sold a thousand in a month. So then I was like, okay. And then I thought about it further. And I'm like, this is something that I think like a big mistake that a lot of people make is that people are only thinking about step one in the kind of the road to building like a real like sustainable business. Right. I think that's like the word that's important. Yeah. So you really need to have a plan to say that this is step one, this is step two, this is step three. And if you can get to step three, you'll figure out four, five, and six when you get there. So I kind of felt that this was something that I could do. Um, I figured out where to source everything here in America. I didn't have to deal with China anymore, which I was really happy about. Sure. Um, so I, I just started printing these posters and I started selling them and over the course of a year, I built up from one SKU to 30 SKUs. And I was really lucky that for the first nine months, no one in China had seen what I was doing. Sure. But then after the first year, that's when kind of all the copycats started coming in. And by year two, I had, man, I must've had like 150 factories in China that were just ripping off all of the content to the, to the color, like to the T. And so by 2021, maybe a little bit before that, like the whole category had become like just filled with copies of like all of the original content that I had put on. And it's not like the content that I had made was like original, mm -hmm. but I was very good at curating because I had, I had, I was like, I've really lived the entrepreneur's struggle right like they you know like people like to call the entrepreneur like the hero's journey or the lone wolf right like they like to make those types of like uh comparisons yeah like i've really lived that and i know what it feels like and i know what it's like to really dig myself out and i think that there's a hell of a lot of fillers filler stuff in the personal development space you could really kind of boil down like millions of pages of content to maybe like 30 or 40 pages worth of like valuable information right sure. and then the hard, right and then the hard part is can you actually execute on it yeah yeah so, you know so i took a lot of that content that i thought was the most important content and then i kind of thought about some of it in the context of like a younger child and so i and that's why i kind of like came up with the content and all of the content like there were no other posters that had had this content on it. And so like, that's, I guess, where you could say like, I was original because I was really one of the first to bring this whole group of content into the marketplace. Um, and so that's kind of where we are now, you know, like yeah. we've, we've come a long way since then. I love that story. And, and I, I just relate with so many parts of it too. Like, so for those who don't know my background, like, um, as I was going to school, I was going back and forth between doing music engineering 
um, like kind of like working in a studio or chemical engineering. And I ended up going with the chemical engineering route. I'm a drummer and play guitar and everything else like that. And so always been drawn on the music side. Um, had always been the tinkerer on my businesses from the start, from everything from a joke website when the internet was in its early days to like, I don't know, products for brewing your own beer to, I, I, I've had so many different businesses throughout the years and it's funny how you just learn and then started kind of at the same time, listening to the same podcast, ended up in the educational space. So I was selling the organic chemistry molecular model kits for OCHEM courses um, and it's it, it just kind of fun to hear <laughs> the similarities <laughs> as we've gone in kind of the same time frames too. Like, so what was, what was your why? Like why you're working a full-time job? All right. Why slog along with this other business too? Like what, what drove you, especially after like you lose 20 grand and I, I never experienced that, but I know that feeling of sending those first wires and it's like, okay, this is gone. And it's like, now I'm just trusting this person I've never met to send me these products. Like, what was the why to keep pushing on? What drove you? Uh, you know, I think, I think that like what drives me as like an individual is to find like a life of like purpose. Um, I've always from a very young age to kind of, derived a lot of my identity around the things that I've done, right? So like for a decade of my life, everybody knew me as this touring DJ, um, you know, could get into the clubs and kind of just do whatever I wanted because of the level of status I had at the time. And so like, that's how, how people knew me. That's how I saw myself. Um, so like, I think that, in other words, just like working a, like a job that you're not making some level of contribution, that, like that just wasn't the road for me. Sure. Right. Um, it's a much harder road to go down. Like there's, I, over the years, I've talked to so many people that like work nine to fives and they're like, I wish I could be doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like, kind of, I'm, I'm always just kind of quick to, like let people like remind people that, Hey, these are some of the things that I've been through. Right. And like, I've been bankrupt, basically bankrupt twice. Um, you know, like I've had to like reinvent my identity twice in my life. Sure. Um, you know, I've, I had to move back to my mom's basement at, in my early thirties, spent two years living there to pay off debt to kind of get back on my feet but I still love it. You know, yeah. like I, I love the fact that like I can wake up in the morning and I derive a purpose in this world from creating things. And so like the content and the posters that I do now and the products that we will get into is just another version of music. Yeah. Right. I used to create songs and that, and I used to get a lot of value and I used to get gratification from putting that out there in the world, getting feedback from people both good and bad. What can I have done better? What was good about this song? And physical products is just like another manifestation of that. And so I put a lot of effort into like every product that we try and launch. And, and I know our customers, like the customers have seen that because I was the, like I said, I was, I was the exact opposite of like so many Amazon sellers, like 
the way that I met you was mm -hmm. on up. I met you on Upwork. I knew nothing about advertising, but the fact that we had similar backgrounds and you said to me like, Dominic, don't worry. Like I, we know you and Matt, we know what we're, we're doing on ads and we had the same backgrounds. And I was like, you know what? Joe's the guy I'm going to go with. And I'm, and I never, and you know, like, and we've been working together since Yeah. for the first couple of years of us working together, I probably missed half our monthly meetings because I wasn't like worried about ads. I wasn't worried about data. The only thing I was worried about was what are, what is the, what is the best messaging that I could put on these products so that when kids and teachers read them, it'll actually make an impact instead of just being some filler on the wall. Sure. Right. And so I think it's cool that this content that I spent a couple of months curating and figuring out now there's a hundred thousand copies of it all over the internet besides my own. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a positive way to look at it. I like that. Right? <laughs> it was so good that people have chosen to copy it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. Yeah, yeah. So walk me through like, you know, last couple of years, you've grown quite a bit. Walk me through like manufacturing, like, you know, how have you expanded? Like what, you know, what's key things you're focused on now? Yeah. So, okay. When we, so when we first started, we were working out of a 10 by 30 storage locker. It's kind of like a closest thing that I could have to a garage. Sure. Right. Um, so we were working out of the, the storage lockers and it went from one to two to three to four. And then at one point before we had moved out, I think I had 12 lockers. <laughs> they were all like networked together. Yeah. Uh, some of them were in the same aisle. Some of them were in other aisles and yeah. Yeah. Logistics was, was really, was really challenging, but I mean, we were hand rolling posters. We had no machines. We had no electricity. Um, all we had was lights. Um, but we were hand rolling posters in boxes and, um, we reached this place where the storage wasn't going to work anymore. And so the first year, um, so that first year, like I launched the first poster pack in August. And then that first year, I think we did about 80,000 in revenue. Um, the first year, because it was the, I'd missed the back to school season pretty much. Sure. Right. Um, the second year, I think we went up to, 800, then we went to two, then we went to four, and then we went to like 5.2. Um, in 2021, we moved into our own warehouse. So we went from having like 3,300 square feet and spread out all, amongst all these storage lockers to uh, 6,000 square feet all in one space. Sure. Um, so like that was actually like a world of change for us. Um, and then I started kind of buying some machines to speed up the whole process of like prepping the posters. And, um, I mean, now, like, I don't think there's any, anybody in the country that can pack posters faster than we can. We can pack 3000 posters in a day with like three or four people. Yeah. Um, so, and then what I started realizing too, was the, the direction that Amazon is going is that, Clearly, they favor manufacturers. They they obviously want the shortest supply chain. And I started like seeing that in the pandemic, I think, is what really brought it front and center. Because sure. 
because I actually caught a break in the with the pandemic. My what is what ended up becoming my bestseller. Um, I didn't have enough money. It, like so, when I started the posters, I only started. I had, I resaved up another seven thousand dollars, and then launched those posters. Um, like for that that those first three months of like the first I don't know maybe like five or six SKUs. In 2020, when the ports closed down, nobody from China could ship product in. So I was working in a storage locker, and luckily enough, they, the storage locker that I was working in, there was all of this equipment for the city of Nerechelle that they had as emergency services equipment, so they didn't shut the building down. So I was allowed to go there. Sure. So I worked. So I was able to send product in. So I worked for a bunch of months by myself, like just packing posters, kind of keeping track what's going on, watching CNBC. Yeah. Um, and then, so like that's where I was like for our storage. And, that, and then, and like I said, I started seeing that like, if we don't figure out how to become a manufacturer or if you're going to, like most categories, I think that, there's, there's not going to be any room left for American sellers, sure. right? If you're it's sourcing like a race to the bottom in terms of margin at that point. Yeah. And I mean, and you already see that like happening. Like I, I went to innovate in New York city, which is like the first Amazon event that I ever went to. And like, I see people like talking about all these kind of like tricks and tips and hacks and, you know, like, the Amazon community is probably one of the few communities that we're such a large community that we should probably use some of our resources to talk to some of the politicians in power and say, I think most people know like the, the, the playing field is not necessarily level. I think most Americans would be happy to like step up to the plate on a level playing field, but, and most sellers make the mistake of blaming Amazon, but Amazon's really just operating within conditions that they're in, right? Like you have Timu and you have Shein that are coming into the marketplace and they don't pay any duties on on all of those imports. And so like Amazon's got to compete against that. And so how do you blame Amazon for continuing to squeeze like their sellers? Because like they have no other choice. And so it's like, we blame Amazon, but like I've always kind of thought that like, Amazon sellers should really get together and say, we need to talk to our lawmakers because they're really the only ones that could level the playing field at the, kind of at the bare minimum. It's kind sure. of something so it's like something I'm like very passionate about. And I've actually tried to like reach out to like Robert Lighthizer, who's who wants to levy 60% tariffs now, potentially a year from now. So these are like, that's kind of like something that I'm passionate about. And I think there's a better way to do it, but probably better for another conversation. <laughs> so as you're working through, like, what's, what, what's some recommendation that you have for other people who are working to build a brand who are grinding away? I mean, you're out in storage lockers by yourself, picking these products up, packing them, like grinding away. Like, What's what's some key lessons you've learned? Like what's some key advice you give to other people who who are are pushing along like you are? So the the age old business advice to do something that it that you're passionate about 
or to do something that is authentic to who you are. And I, that it took me five years with that advice for it to actually all click, right? Um, I think the thing, like I'm, I'm passionate about personal development. I'm passionate about self-awareness. I'm passionate about people being more kind. Um, I'm passionate about a more balanced world um, where it shouldn't be so much like a dog-eat-dog world that we're living in. There's, there's such an abundance of resources, like especially in the United States, and it shouldn't be as hard as it is today for, you know, not just entrepreneurs, but even like you're just your average consumers to just survive, right? So like, these are all things that I'm passionate about. And I think that the only way that people get there is embracing like qualities like that, right? Self-awareness and kindness and, you know, helping other people and, and really being a team player and, and, you know, and not just doing what's best for you and kind of screwing other people. I mean, you know, look, there are times you got to make very difficult choices and, you know, that's just kind of the natural order of, of business and life. But, you know, like, I think, I think it's, it, it's kind of, it saddens me to see how our society has kind of gotten to this place where everybody is fighting against each other over a whole array of different things. And the content that I try and put out there tries to get kids thinking about it young, right? And so, and so like when I'm old, I look at it as I will have spread that message and we've spread that message already to millions of classrooms, right? I mean, we've done a lot of volume. But I think that I do put real value out there, right? Because some of the metrics that I look at is like, again, like I, like I was never a data guy, but like, one of the key metrics I always used to look at was who's actually searching for me on Amazon, right? Within six months of me listing my products, I started to see like the first branded searches. And then by the first, by the end of the first year, I was getting like a couple hundred. By the end of the second year, I was getting a couple thousand. And like now we get at least 50 to 75,000 branded searches Every like I think last year we were somewhere in that range if you added up all our branded searches. And so like that to me is like putting real value out there in the world. Like the messaging that I put out there, it's it actually resonates with people. It's not yeah. just I bought a product on Amazon. Because like that's what most sellers are doing. They're just they're selling another product on Amazon. And it's like, and I'm not knocking like that business model at all. It's like it's just like I couldn't be in a storage locker for four months doing doing that. Right. I, I, I could do it because the messaging and the content that I put out there, people resonate with it. And like the messages that I get from, that I've gotten from teachers that like, wow, like, like I can't believe how much our, our students love these designs. And we talk about all the content and I'm like, Talk about like the secret, right? Like the, uh, I forgot who wrote, talks, who made the secret, right? But thoughts become things, yeah, right? And so like, that's just like kind of my version of it. And so you need to find your own version of that as an entrepreneur. Um, I think if you really, I think if you really want to have a shot 
like in the physical product space. Yep. Yep. No, I love that. And like from us, like me working on the advertising side, like we can talk about all the metrics and the data and everything else like that. But at the end of the day, what gets me the most fulfillment is helping grow brands like yours. And so, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we're doing here. We talk a lot about the numbers and the metrics and the optimizations and everything else like that, but that's what we're doing. And we need ads to be able to do that. Um, and so this has been such an inspiring story and I just get so much fulfillment out of it too, that we've been a small part of your journey along the way. It's been really fun. Um, and I, I think this is a really cool story that I appreciate you sitting down to do the podcast and share with everyone. Um, if anybody wants to find out more about you or purchase some of your products, check out Sprout Bright, like where should they go? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a big social media guy at the moment, um, but I do have LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me at uh, Dominic Philope, or uh, you could just go to search Sprout Bright on Amazon, or you can just go to SproutBright.com and kind of see like what we've been doing over there. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely encourage you to check it out. And Dom, again, a really inspiring story. Like I was pumped up to have this conversation with you and it did not disappoint. Hi, so <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, so I got a ton of value out of it. And for all those listening, like as always, we really appreciate you listening to the Ad Project Podcast. And as always, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.